Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. So all three articles in this episode are going to be from the September 1998 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. And even though they don't have exactly the same theme, I kind of like the overarching view um, that the three give, and especially as we come to the end of the year and with what's going on in the world today. So we're going to begin with Masonic Rituals and Modern Spirituality by the illustrious Wim F.K.J.F. Frackers, 33rd degree. And he is, the or was at the time, the Sovereign Grand Commander of the Netherlands. And this is from The Hague, Netherlands. Masonry's spiritual dimension has conveyed through our ritual, enhances the life of today's man and his society. Some years ago, Her Majesty Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands mentioned in a speech the following thought. Communal sense in our country has been partly lost because of the disappearance of trusted, reliable structures. Selfishness undermines the natural commitment in housing, working, and living. Loneliness, criminality, and the exclusion of people are the result of a lack of interest in each other. Against the unity of the period after World War II of rebuilding, now stands the threat of a disintegrating community. Presently living at a time of transition to a new millennium, we are flooded by information about the most diverse matters. For many, a wealth of information is obtainable through surfing the internet. The development in this area has gone faster in the last 30 years than in the preceding 3,000 years. Does all this bring more satisfaction and understanding for our fellow man? Today, desires seem to be more materialistic. A larger house, a more expensive car, more and longer holidays to even more remote places are the most frequently heard desires. To many, everything revolves around me, me, me. Modern, materialistically oriented people have little interest in or concern for their fellow men. The elderly, in particular, are sometimes living completely on their own, lonely and forgotten, so that it can happen that they are lying dead in their homes for weeks unnoticed. Is this the world we Freemasons long for? Our age-old Masonic traditions based on Greco-Roman philosophies, enriched by Christianity that found its origin in the Jewish religion, seem incompatible with the new developments. Very few persons find an answer to their vital questions in the traditional and conservative churches, and many take refuge by joining strange societies and sects. At the same time, membership in some very orthodox churches in the Netherlands has grown considerably over the last few years. Besides that, we are almost inundated by large groups of Islamic fundamentalists, mainly coming from Morocco and Turkey. All these groups are convinced that their way of thinking is the only right way to think. They do not tolerate persons with another persuasion, yet tolerance is one of the starting points of Freemasonry. That's why we all, in our own way, not only must combat disinterest and moral decay, 
but also the ever-increasing trend toward religious extremism which some call fundamentalism. It is our Masonic duty to stand for tolerance and to support this stance with sound arguments. Tolerance is inherent in universal Freemasonry in general and in the Scottish Rite in particular. People will always be searching for the meaning of life. We are obliged to the Order and to ourselves to ask if the forms and contents of Masonry still appeal to the modern man searching for life's meaning. We must ask ourselves if Freemasonry is still able to give an answer to the many questions posed by young men on the threshold of the third millennium. Many of us are rightfully worried by the supposed or real decrease of Freemasonry's appeal. Statistics show that interest in traditional churches in Holland has declined over the last 30 years, while general religious and spiritual interest has not diminished. In fact, it is growing. At the same time, man does not want to be bound by dogmas. Given this situation, we, as Masons, are obliged to come forward with our ideas and bring Freemasonry into the open. Masonry's voice should be heard in that great flow of information on the internet and throughout all areas of our modern society. What is obvious to us is, of course, the help and also the influence we can offer our brethren who work in the symbolic degrees. Let us assist those lodges which presently have a shortage of experienced master masons and as a result have problems in filling the most essential offices necessary to guarantee normal lodge proceedings. Lodges need instruction that deepens understanding of the rituals of the Masonic degrees among the brethren. Direct help and support at the foundation of Masonry, the Symbolic Lodge, will bond those brethren, who are now in their prime, to the future of Freemasonry and, one hopes, to the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Are we indeed not privileged because of our initiation in the Scottish Rite, and are we not, in fact, extremely well trained to add enhanced value to the Masonic knowledge of our younger brethren? In this way, we can be of concrete support to them in the search for light. If we concentrate on them in our lodges, we protect our own Scottish Rite future. On the other hand, we must adjust our ideas, our customs, and our methods so that they communicate to the man of today. Are our rituals sufficiently modern to be able to transmit a sense of spirituality and inner growth to those who crave dialogue on the essential questions of life? Are we capable to pass on to others our ideas, or do we float away in that mainstream of increasing materialistic superficiality? Are our rituals sufficiently up-to-date to let that spark of spirituality jump over to the next generation and beyond? This special sense of spirituality is exactly what Freemasonry has to offer, and is mainly why Freemasonry has existed already so long. Only our rituals can inspire us and give us new impulses to pass on the great work of our craft and order. Moreover, each of us must endeavor to be true to himself, a man of inner riches who is, at the same time, a man of action, and as such, a strong influence for good in society and among all humankind. This can only be achieved when the performance of our rituals is realized in such a way that a spark of spirituality ignites us all. By the term spirituality, I mean spiritual development, a consciousness of the higher self that embraces universal values that transcend ethical and religious restrictions. Spirituality distinguishes itself from religion and religiousness as being neither doctrinal nor dogmatic. Spirituality is the inspiration to do good that originates from a consciousness of one's inner moral self. Spirituality is surely neither free from matter nor opposite to it, nor is it disassociated from the responsibilities of daily life. 
Rather, spirituality gives to daily reality an intensified sensitivity, making it thus possible to experience the here and now, the very moment, as intensely as possible. This demands abandoning one's own ego as much as possible. It means a dying off of those materialistic desires, false ambitions, private frustrations, and personal prejudices. This process leads to harmony with the environment, with one's fellow men, and with the absolute. It nurtures inspiration and reveals non-possessive love. Masonic ritual, rightly performed and understood, emanates this inner strength, wisdom, and beauty, this spirituality. Only a firm oneness, a close-knit unity between spoken word, dramatic acting, music, and the silences occasionally required during a ritual performance is the prerequisite for our Masonic ritual to produce such spiritual emanation. When we create such an atmosphere, then we can say, the great architect of the universe is with us and in us. That is when each brother can be adorned with the victory wreath of laurel and olive. The laurel leaves are tokens of victory over passion. Thus the mason becomes a ruler over himself. The olive leaves are tokens of peace and unity. Thus the brother is in harmony with himself and the world around him and with the great architect of the universe. This harmony will elevate us over the contradictions and divisions that divide us. This harmony makes us experience that ancient wisdom, contradicta complementa sunt. All contradictions are in fact each other's complements. Tolerance is not enough. This is written by Howard Koop, 32nd degree. Genuine understanding of, respect for, acceptance of, and trust in others are the firm foundations upon which enduring relationships may be established. On the way to a meeting during which some of the pressing social issues confronting our society were to be discussed, I stopped at the airport to pick up one of the discussion leaders who had flown in from his office in Chicago to participate in the seminar. As we made our way to the seminar, we had a delightful conversation. It was not long, however, until my friend and traveling companion turned the conversation to the need for tolerance regarding social issues. There is much intolerance in our society. In one instance, intolerance may be expressed as a slight when an individual or group is treated with indifference and disrespect. At other times, expressions of intolerance are more hideous. They erupt as violent outbursts of hatred directed at both individuals and groups manifesting themselves in acts that hurt and sometimes kill persons and destroy both private and public property. Surrounded with such strong attitudes of intolerance, our society repeatedly emphasizes the need for tolerance. We are reminded frequently of its importance in all relationships, and we are admonished to be tolerant of other persons and their ideas. Tolerance is heralded as one of the key virtues of life and a key principle upon which relationships with others must be established. Sensitive to this situation, in 1995 the United Nations called for the observation of an international year of toleration. Yet in our complex society, or in any society, tolerance is not enough to provide the rock-solid foundation upon which significant relationships can be built. Tolerance is defined as allowing the views, beliefs, practices of others. Furthermore, to be tolerant is to be inclined to permit or put up with others' beliefs and practices. This is not the right basis for establishing good and enduring human relationships. Something more than an ability to bear with others must be the foundation of meaningful and enduring human relationships. 
Such relations must be constructed upon something which is larger in scope and more substantial than toleration. That something is love, but it is not sentimental or romantic love. It is nothing less than the idea expressed in agape, which is best understood as pure, selfless love. This love comes from God and is sacrificial in its nature. It is completely unselfish. It does not insist upon its own way, but gives itself away. It is a never-ending love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13.7 This is the love the Master of Nazareth commended when saying, Love one another. John 15.17 This type of love is practical. It is not expressed in word or speech, but in deed and truth. 1 John 3.18 It calls for genuine understanding of, respect for, acceptance of, and trust in others. This is the one firm foundation upon which enduring relationships may be established. And that's the end of the article, but my own personal take on this, and I've actually had this conversation before, I, I agree. Tolerance is, is the beginning, and then you need to move to acceptance. So it's one thing to tolerate somebody's beliefs, but the ability to accept them to me is moving much beyond that. You don't even have to agree with them but accept them. So I think we as a society kind of tied in with this article. We need to move from tolerance to acceptance and understand that we don't all believe the same thing. And our final article for this episode is called The Days of Awe by Melville H. Nahan, 33rd Degree. The shofar calls to each person, reminding us of our heritage and of our strength. On the first day of the seventh month, the month of Tishri on the Jewish calendar, people of the Jewish faith observe the beginning of the new year, Rosh Hashanah, literally translated as the head of the year. It is a time for introspection and reflection, for it is said that on that day, the Creator of us all writes in the Book of Life the story of what shall take place in the coming year, who will wax rich and who will be poor, who will be healthy and who will be ill. And on the Day of Atonement, which follows ten days later, the Book of Life for the forthcoming year will be sealed. The period of ten days is often called the Days of Awe. They are the times for soul-searching, for recognizing the sins which one has committed or omitted with respect to his relationship to God. May I point out quickly that forgiveness which is sought during these Days of Awe is a forgiveness from the Creator for the sins which we as humans have done to him and in our dealings with him. We do not believe that he will cleanse the sins we have committed against our fellow men, but in turn we must realize and rededicate ourselves to atoning for the sins of man to man by making retribution and dealing fairly with our own fellow men by being true brothers to them. Our own Masonic vows were given only after being assured that they would not interfere with the duty we owe to God, our country, our neighbor, or ourselves, it is not easy to examine oneself, admit one's errors, and pray for forgiveness. Yet in the Judaic tradition, the privilege is given to us to strip ourselves of what we know is injurious and harmful to ourselves, our families, and our fellow men, and to return to a course of positive action. During the ceremonies of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the latter of which is a fast day for the Jewish people, a ram's horn, known as a shofar, is blown pursuant to specific notes that our readers recite. It is the oldest, most primitive wind instrument. 
It reminds us of the biblical story of Isaac being placed on the altar by Abraham and his place as part of the sacrifice being taken by the ram furnished by the angel of God. It reminds us of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, which was punctuated by blast of the ram's horn. The walls of Jericho tumbled, we are told, as the shofar waxed, and we, in our Jewish tradition, believe that the same holy notes will herald the final coming of the Messiah. The shofar calls to each and every one of us, reminding us of our heritage and our strength. Primarily, the shofar sounding is a call to spiritual awakening and renewal. In this season of the holy days, it will occur to some that strong shofar blasts are in order to sound the need for assistance, compassion, and rescue. Judaism takes for granted that all humans are prone to sin. Even Moses, the great prophet, was not perfect, and because of his imperfection, he never reached the Holy Land. The shofar reminds us that when we fail to do right, we must make amends, and we can make amends by turning a new page and starting all over again without anxiety and guilt. In Hebrew, there really is no word for sin. The word het, which is utilized for the word sin, translates as distance. The word for repentance is tshuva, which literally means return. So you made a mistake. Trespassed the will of God. You have created distance between yourself and God. God still loves you, just as the parents still love the child who has committed errors in spite of the distance which he has created. And how does one bridge the gap? By simply returning to God by first realizing the error and then endeavoring to improve the harmonization of his deeds with God's will. Erring is, of course, part and parcel of human spiritual and physical growth. We recognize this. We recognize also that God does not expect nearly as much from us as we do from ourselves. Having created us with strengths, He also created us with weaknesses and has placed us in the cosmic gym designed to transform those weaknesses into strengths, fat into muscle, that is, if we make proper use of the facilities and its instructors. If after all this we still make the same mistakes, we commit the same sins, we recognize still that God, among his other attributes, is all patient, and he will wait for us if only we try, if only we attempt to make amends. If we do not, if we make no attempt to sincerely repent our atonement, then repentance is for naught. The lesson of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is very simple. Man is human. Man commits error. Therefore, both God and his fellow man will forgive him if he seeks to make amends. But those amends must indeed be with sincere effort to better oneself and to practice the law of his creator. Is this not also the teaching of Freemasonry? As we think of each other's holidays and each other's customs, we appreciate all the more how universal the philosophy of Freemasonry really is, and perhaps that's why we're all so very pleased and proud to be a part of it. We are indeed brothers, the children of the ever-living Father. So may I say to you, as we of Jewish faith say to one another this holy season, may you be inscribed for a happy new year. Lashana Tova Tekosaibu. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.